Good morning. Welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. We gather here on the fourth Sunday of Advent, uh, Christmas Eve, to celebrate Christ's coming and uh, to look ahead again to the hope of him coming and making all things new. Uh, as we begin, just a reminder that there is a nursery and a preschool class that's offered throughout the service, and there'll be a children's worship class that's dismissed a little later uh, in our time as well. Uh, and then if you look at your back of your order, the last couple pages, you'll see announcements. And, and the, the main one I want to just make sure that you're aware of is that we have a, a candlelight Christmas Eve service tonight. Uh, that's at 8 o'clock. Uh, not, not here at Waters. It's, uh, school is not available, but we're meeting at the Nazarene uh, Church Building over by Leland and Damon. So it's uh, 1900 West Leland uh, at 8 o'clock tonight. The information is in your order in the back a uh, couple pages. But if you're available, I'd love to have you join us. It'll be a nice service, um, about 45 minutes long, and we'll close with sharing uh, candlelighting with, with one another. Uh, the only other thing to mention is that after the service, we'll have a time of hospitality, of, of uh, coffee and bagels today, this morning. So right after the service, behind me in the hallway, I invite you to stay after, a chance to spend time together and enjoy some food and some coffee together. Well, God's called us and gathered us in his name. And to invite us to remember he's the one who comes to us. And so as we get ready to worship, let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God. Good morning. Our call to worship today is from Mary's song from Luke 1. Will you stand with us and we'll sing together. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble state of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown great strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the, those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as, spoke, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Oh, come. 
Please be seated. This week we light the fourth Advent candle. This is the angel candle and it reminds us of God's love. Concerning Jesus, the angels announced, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. The child will be called holy, the Son of God, and his name will be Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his people into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We light this candle in love. The love Jesus, our Savior, has for us. Come then, Lord Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, we are thankful to be here together this morning. We are thankful that out of the perfection of your love, you looked upon us, loved us, and gathered us. We thank you for the grace given to us in the person of your son, Emmanuel, God with us. With us in the midst of the fissures that plague us, separation and strife between nations, within nations, within families, even within the church. With us when we mourn the loss of friends, mothers, fathers, daughters, and sons. With us even as our bodies betray us and testify to the state of this fallen world. Lord, we thank you that you're not a God who is far off, but the one who draws near to us the one who reaches out your mighty hand to act for us, all who are poor and all who hunger, who chastises the proud and exalts the humble. We pray that here this morning, by your spirit, you arrest us with the wonder of your presence, 
Let your glory pour over our petty desires, deep fears, and silent prayers. Let us find our joy, our comfort, our courage in your presence, that we may be a people who seek the good of the places we find ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, children are now dismissed for children's worship. now continue with a time of confession. We'll first do so together um, through word, um, and then we'll have a time for silent personal confession, and then finally through song. God of love, we confess that with the shepherds we are terrified of your glory. For in the light of your glory we see plainly all that is wrong in the world. How impression still enslaves, how garments of war are still stained with blood, how those seeking refuge still find no place of safety. We also see what is wrong in us, how passionately we pursue the things of this world, but forget to ponder the mystery of faith, how we do not practice the love you intend in our relationships, our community, or even our church. In Christ, give us hope. With us, we pray, amen. Please take a moment for silent personal confession. Father, we thank you that we can come to you in our weakness, failures, and sin, and that you meet us with mercy and forgiveness, that your holiness is matched by your steadfast love and kindness. Comfort our spirits and renew our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand for the words of assurance. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Um, as we have been welcomed by our Lord and Savior, let us welcome one another.
The New Testament lesson is from Romans, chapter 16, verses 25 through 27. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. The gospel lesson is from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who has called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Thanks, Gina, for reading from the scriptures. It's good to be here and worshiping with you. Uh, we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 1, uh, just picking up right off after what uh, Gina read um, and hearing Mary's song. But before we read that, just take a moment to I want to start by sharing a, a poem by uh, a woman named Mary Oliver uh, called North Country. It a, it's a, has a great line in it, I think. And she, she writes that in this poem, North Country. In the North Country now it is spring, and there is a certain celebration. That's not the line, that's just the beginning. But she invites us in this, in this opening to kind of imagine the spring coming. We might not feel that concerned about it right now, but I imagine in a few weeks in January there might be a time where we are looking forward to a thaw and to green returning. But she continues and describes the celebration, saying, the thrush, the thrush has come home. She pictures this small songbird, and she writes of the thrush, it is okay to know only one song if it is this one. 
It's okay to know only one song, if it is this one. With its rising and falling, it tells our souls that heaven's windows are opened wide. She invites us in this poem, right, to think about the joy of a warm spring day after times of cold. And I don't know how many songs that Mary, Jesus' mother, knew. I imagine she knew more than one, but we're going to look at the one song that we have from her in Scripture. And I think we can repeat Oliver's poem. It's okay to know only one song if it's this one. It's okay to only know one song if it's this one. Mary's song marks a new day. The thawing of souls, the opening of heaven, the arrival of something new. Something that could not even be imagined. And if we listen, I suggest if we listen, if we hear these words, they will change us. They have the power to change us. And so I hope that we can see as we hear Mary's song this morning is the wonder The wonder that God, the Holy One, the creator of of all things, is with the weak, with the hungry, and with the humble. Mary sings that the Lord extends mercy, the Lord scatters the proud, brings down the mighty, but exalts the humble, sends away the rich, and fills the hungry with good things. So let's look at this song that Mary sings. It's in Luke 1, verse 46 through 55. You can follow in your order or in your Bible. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. This is God's word and it's given for our good. Well, as we hear this song and enter into it, we can remember the story that we've already kind of, we've heard in our service, but just a reminder of what we hear each year, that Mary was visited by Gabriel the angel, telling her that she would conceive in her womb and bear a son. The son's name would be Jesus and that his kingdom would never end, that he would be called holy, the son of God. And after this announcement, Mary travels approximately 70 miles into the hill country to see her relative Elizabeth, for she had been told that Elizabeth also was pregnant. So she goes to confirm this amazing news, and when she sees Elizabeth, Elizabeth greets her by saying that she is the mother of her Lord. In light of the announcements from Gabriel, in light of the words from Elizabeth, Mary responds with the song that we have before us. And I want us to look at two, two things as we kind of enter into it. One, we want to see just Mary's personal experience. We opened with her, her response. And then the second thing we can see is that this song is, is not just about Mary, but it tells us about God and the very nature of God's arrival. 
So let's start there with Mary's personal experience. She, she opens by saying, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This is a, a poetic uh, couplet. It's, it's meaning that the two ideas are kind of saying the same thing, but together they amplify the meaning. She magnifies God. She rejoices in God. And so she's trying to help us see that this is not just uh, her saying the right words, but that in her innermost being, her affections and her understanding in her spirit and in her soul, she's responding to God. She's rejoicing that the Lord is her Savior. That the Lord of heaven and earth, she is saying, is my Savior, is my rescuer, my redeemer, the one who has acted for me. This is very personal language that in her very being, she sees that God knows her and has acted on her behalf. And in the realization of this, she rejoices and she magnifies the Lord. Magnifying means to enlarge, to focus in on something in order for it to be highlighted. And this whole song then is her attempt to amplify, to magnify, to point out the significance of God. Who this God is that has acted for her, who is her Savior. And we can see this kind of amplification, this attempt to, to almost give a picture of magnifying glass to focus in on what is this God like. And she, she says that, that God has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For who, he who is mighty has done great things for me. God has looked on my humble estate and he who is mighty has done great things for me. So what does that, what does that mean Right? She's inviting us to, to, to join her, to sing, to, to think about this idea that the one who is above all others does not overlook or dismiss the low. Even in the high position, God does not disregard the weak. Rather, we see in Mary that he looks and that he acts with favor and kindness toward the humble. We can think for a moment, what, what does Mary mean by her humble estate? Well, it could probably mean a number of things, but it certainly included her economic and social status. In any way that you would measure it in the ancient world, Mary was poor. She had no obvious power or influence. She had no social status or honor. She is one that her society would easily overlook. But God, the mighty one, sees her. And her humble estate refers not only to her economic or social status, but I imagine it speaks of her experience. That she knows, and maybe you can relate to this, she knows what it is to be on the, the wrong side or the losing side in a broken world that's dominated by power, violence, and greed. She knows what it's like to see others grasp or receive what they want. And so when she speaks of humility, she is a voice, a voice from an insignificant corner that represents what it is to long 
long to be seen, to long to be heard. And we don't know, but I, I imagine that she may be tempted. She might have been tempted to feel that she is forgotten. She's insignificant or even nothing. But the angel proclaims a different reality. The Lord sees her. The Lord sees her. It's not in our printed order, but it was part of what Gina read for us from earlier in Luke 1, but when the angel Gabriel first visits Mary, the first thing that the angel does is he gives Mary a new name and he makes a promise. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. This is not just fancy religious words. Greetings, one who might be overlooked, one who might be forgotten, one who might be tempted to think I am nothing. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. The Lord in his mercy blesses Mary. Gabriel speaks a blessed name and declares God's faithful presence. And it's in this personal experience that Mary has that it might seem so far from us, but the song is given that we may join with her, that we may even think about our own experience. That in light of her speaking of her humble estate, of, of God seeing her, that we too can acknowledge that maybe at times that we too can feel invisible, forgotten, insignificant, or even like nothing. Nothing because of how others have treated us or dismissed us. Nothing because we're unable to contribute like we want or like maybe we used to be able to. Nothing because we are overwhelmed with a sense of guilt. Have you know that experience of cringing or feeling shame when you look over choices or relationships? Nothing because we feel lost in this world, unsure of our direction, what we should do next. We wonder even if our presence really matters. Nothing because others seem to grow tired of our sorrows or tired of our struggles. And what I want us to hear this morning in Mary's song is that she is giving witness. She is giving witness in this song, proclaiming a truth that the Lord sees and lifts up the low. In God the Father, Jesus Christ, your name is not nothing. It cannot be. Your name is not forgotten, for we know that that is not true. Nor is your name overlooked. For God has come to you that you may be known as beloved, as delighted in, as child. This is the truth of Advent. It's the truth that Mary is responding to and experiencing and singing about. The mighty one who is above all things sees me. Mary's response to God's naming and blessing her is not, you know, I'm finally getting my due. <laughs> it's about time, um, right? No, she sings that he who is mighty has done great things for me. He's blessed me. And from now on, behold, generations will call me blessed. 
Mary is saying yes to a gift. She recognized this blessing of God, this new name, this identity, this presence of God. They are gifts that she can receive. And so she receives and enters this new identity, and she does so without knowing much about where it will lead or what it will entail, but trusting the one who has given it to her. In this way, Mary not only sings of who God is, but invites us to think about the response, a response of faith, not in which we pull ourselves up to show God that, yeah, we really are deserving of this, but rather faith of receiving the blessing that God says. To receive God's word as what is true. God's vision of us as what is true. Let it be to me according to your word, she says, Mary in faith receives and joins herself to who God is. So this is Mary's experience, her experience of receiving God's blessing, of knowing that she has seen and responding in faith. But the second thing I want us to see this morning is that she, she's not only speaking of herself, but if you notice as the song continues, it transitions to speak more broadly about who God is, what God's like, and what it's like when he arrives in the world. See, God's blessing of Mary becomes a blessing of all generations, of all nations, of all families of the earth. She will give birth to the one who is full of grace and truth. It's not just about her encounter, but it's about the very nature of who God is. In Mary, as she sings, she envisions the conception of the Son of the Most High as a decisive act something that will change the way things are. God is coming into the world and he will establish a new way, a new people. And this arrival, you, did you notice, is described in a number of ways, but especially through this kind of overarching image that, that the Lord will show the strength of his arm. It might be a strange image, one that we might not think about that often, but it's an image that runs through scripture and it echoes all the way back to the Exodus when God is said to use his mighty arm to free his people out of bondage, to bring them up out of bondage in Egypt. And the song is remembering God acting for his people, and she, Mary is seeing and inviting us to see that God's doing this again, that God is coming and acting to make things different, a new way. And in doing this work, the mighty arm, God will scatter the proud. God will scatter the proud, he'll bring down the powerful, he'll send the rich away empty, but exalt the humble and fill the hungry. And I want us to think for a few moments about how Jesus' birth and how Jesus' words echo these promises, echo this description. First, Jesus' birth, we can think of his birth, and I was doing some... Uh, Research. I found an article that there was um, the, first the first recorded nativity, who knows if it's actually the first, but the first recorded nativity scene in which people played the parts of Mary and Joseph and there's animals you know, gathering in a cave. This was done by Francis of Assisi in 1223, so 800 years ago, 800 anniversary, and it was in a small Greek, oh, sorry, not Greek, sorry, Italian, <laughs> Italian ooh, that's bad, sorry, Italian village, you know, don't want to get that wrong, about 50 miles north of Rome, uh, 
And I think I pronounced it Grecho, but I told Charlie Greco that maybe it's close to, to, you know, to Greco. So maybe we can talk to Charlie and I'll show him the spelling. But St. Francis organized a midnight mass around a cave near the town invited villagers to play the parts of Mary and Joseph. They found a rag doll to be baby Jesus, and they brought an ox and donkey to complete the scene in front of the cave. I don't know if this is somehow recorded or if this is just people imagining, but it's said that he did this because he wanted people to grasp the historical nature of what happened, that this is something that really happened, not just a story you read about. And I invite us this day on Christmas Eve, the, the fourth Sunday of Advent, to think again about that this happened. Mary, a young woman, Joseph, they had to make their way to a place and there was no room for them in the inn. A baby was born in a cave or a stable. There was no bed, there was no cradle, no place to put the child, so they laid the baby in a manger, a feeding trough for the ox and donkey. It's not just a romantic or kind of story of nostalgia, but to think about the significance of, of what that is in light of Mary's song, that the first throne of the eternal king, the king whose kingdom would never end, his first throne is a manger, a feeding trough, that in a stable lay the creator of all the world, the Mighty One placed himself in this humble situation, in a humble family, to meet and to lift up the low, to make clear that this is who he came for. Those who did not have power, those who needed care, he goes to the places that would be seen as un insignificant, overlooked, forgotten, the very place that the baby would arrive. Martin Luther, when reflecting on this, said, look, look upon the baby Jesus and see how God invites you. He places before you a baby who you may approach. There's no greater consolation given to us than this, that Christ became a human being, a child born to a humble family, laying in the lap of his mother. Here is God come not to judge you, but to save you. Jesus' very birth invites us to confess our humility and our need before God. And it's not just his birth that does this, his, his very words and his ministry echo Mary's song. In many ways, you can see how Mary's song becomes, it is the, the message that Jesus carries forth. I came not for the well, but for the sick. He makes clear in his stories and his teaching that the sinner who confesses his sin is better off than the religiously pious who cannot see or remember his own need. In my kingdom, Jesus says, the first will be last and the last will be first. The greatest are not those who lord it over others or who can kind of control everything. The greatest are those who serve. And it's possible to gain everything in the world but lose your very life. Those who give their lives for me will have life forever. These words, they are an echo of Mary's song. And they lead us to a question that I want to close with, a, a question of what is the difference between the proud and the humble? 
What is the difference as we reflect this morning on the song, the difference between the proud and the humble? Those who are scattered and those who are exalted. And I want to suggest to you, it's not simply that one has possessions and the other one lacks. The proud, for whatever reason, do not know, do not remember, do not recognize that God is the giver of all good things. As a result, the proud suffer at least two, they suffer at least two illusions that I'm in control and that I'm better than others. This is the heartbeat, right, of those who are proud in our proudest moments that we're better than that neighbor over there or that I'm going to figure out and make my life work myself. I'm in control and I'm better than others. Augustine, when writing about pride and humility, said that humans are like a bottle. I think he probably imagined some kind of jay, uh, uh, clay vessel that put perfume in it. Maybe we can think of that, or glass, a glass container with perfume, or maybe we can think of a nice mug that has some really delicious coffee, you know, or tea in it. But humans are like a vessel or a bottle, and we need someone, something to pour into us. We are not sufficient in ourselves. We need God to breathe life into us. We need others around us to love us and care for us and teach us and feed us. We need Christ himself to fill us with his very spirit. But Augustine continues saying that God is different. God is not like an empty bottle or an empty jar. That God does not need anyone to pour into him some kind of partnership. God is holy. God is love. He does not need anyone to fill him with wisdom or truth. But we are different. We are different. And so Mary's song encourages us that God sees us, but I suggest it also asks us this question that today, is what is the source that fills you, that fills me? What is the source of my value, my power, my life? And the proud, they always answer this question incorrectly. I'm full because I have something that I've done that's successful. I'm full because of my possessions. I'm full because I'm pious or I'm better than this person or that one. I am someone or my neighbor is someone because they are better or they are productive. These are all false hopes. They do not fill us. But the humble, the humble see aright that they need a gift. They need to be filled by someone outside themselves. They need to receive God and his mercy and be filled with the gift of knowing his grace and love. Humility today starts with us remembering that we're created by God and our value rests fully in that, that we are loved in Christ and our place in God's family is from God's grace from beginning to end. And therefore we can ask with the Apostle Paul, what do I have? What do I have that is not a gift? And if it's a gift, then why would I boast? Should I not say thank you? So let us in humility this day join with Mary and remember that God sees the humble, lifts them up, and let us also join with her in giving thanks to God, our Savior. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word.
We thank you that you are good and gracious to us, that you do not leave us in our sin, but drew near to us, entering into the, even the lowest of places to lift us up. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please stand and sing with us? Filled the hungry, you look in favor on the poor, but cast down tyrants from their thrones. Remember your mercy and help us according to the promise of your steadfast love. Then all your people will sing out with joy and glorify you forever through Jesus Christ, our Savior. The tender mercy. Having heard God's word, uh, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. As we prepare to come to this uh, table, it's good to be reminded of what these signs tell us. For Christ gave us this sacrament, something that we could see and hold and taste that would speak about who God is and the nature of his kingdom. This table reminds us, uh, echoes really what Mary's song was saying, but that 
God sees us and God loves us fully. God sees us even if we are not seen by others. God sees us and loves us. God sees us and part of seeing that he, he sees also the things that are broken within us, the things that we wish were different, the, the ways that we have fallen short of his law or the things that we have done that we shouldn't do or the things we have failed to do that we should do. God meets us in that shame and guilt. He sees it, but he loves us fully. Christ was making that clear with this table, inviting sinners, those who were far off, to come and sit at the family meal of God. Not because of what they have done or will do, but because of his broken body and shed blood. Because he came near to them. So today we remember this. We celebrate this. We ask God again by his spirit to meet us and minister to us. In our shame, to lift our heads. In our guilt, to grant us the peace of forgiveness that Christ's grace is greater than our sin. In our loneliness or our questions, the reminder that he sees us. And in our sorrows, that he's the God who joins us even in the darkest of places. This is the good news of this table. And if you know that, if you have confessed your sins and placed your hope, not in yourself, but hope in Christ, then come and eat and drink. Let Christ's spirit minister to you this day. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this table. And we do pray that as we receive this bread and this cup, that Holy Spirit, that you would meet us. That you meet us in the places of pain and of loss. The places of longing and of hope that you would remind us again that we are your children. We give you thanks in Jesus' name, amen. On the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And if you're participating in communion today, I invite you to come down the center aisle and receive the bread and the cup here. You can go back on the sides. If you're able to hold the elements, I ask that you do that, uh, that we can all eat and drink together as one family after everyone's been served. If you're not participating in communion today, we're, we're glad that you're here. We still invite you to come down the center aisle. Just put your arm across your chest, and we can offer a prayer of blessing uh, for you here at the table. Those who are serving can come forward now. and Let us come and receive the gifts that God has for his people.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. In response to this table, I invite you, if you're able, to stand that we can pray and sing as God's people together. Loving Savior, you bring hope and peace to the lowly and oppressed. Let us see the world through your eyes that we may love the widow and the orphan that we may work for justice, that our lives may bear witness to the good news that you have saved us by your love. continue worshiping through a time of giving and so I invite the greeters to come forward there's a, a gray basket you can put your communion cup in uh, then a silver plate that you can give a gift if you like you can also give offering you'll see a note in your order uh, through the church's website or by text um, also just want to take a moment uh, if you're sitting in the chair in the center aisle there's a, a black uh, information pad underneath that chair you can invite you to pick that up pass it down to know who you're worshiping with today can fill out your name and information. Uh, if you're visiting, we're really glad that you've joined us today. A uh, couple of reminders. Uh, I mentioned this in the beginning, but just to remind you again that tonight uh, there is a candlelight service at 8 o'clock. Um, not, not here at Waters. It's at the Nazarene Church over on Leland. Leland just east of Damon. Uh, the information's in your order, but 1900 West Leland. Uh, and it's at 8 o'clock tonight. The service will be about 45 minutes, and they'll conclude with uh, sharing of uh, candlelight with the congregation. And oh, the other thing just to remind you of is that we have a time of hospitality after the service um, in the hallway right behind me. I invite you to, to go there after the service and have some coffee and bagels and tea uh, hopefully, and enjoy some time together uh, as a church family. Uh, let's continue worshiping by the giving of our gifts to God. Join us for the doxology.
the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace now and forever. Amen. Merry Christmas. Thank you.